Welcome to Disarming Persuasion, the podcast for sales and business leadership professionals. My name is Dave Rosenberg, and I am the founder and principal at Locked On Leadership, a consulting firm with a mission to replace Thank God It's Friday with Thank God It's Monday. And I'm Ann Bonney, redhead impersonator and an expert in change management and leadership that people want to follow. Okay, Ann. What are we going to talk about today? Let's talk about honesty in and, and clarity in headlines. You know, we're tra- we're all trying really hard to get eyeballs, but sometimes we mislead. You know, the whole clickbait thing, and I think that gets in the way of persuasion. So, so in other words, you want to talk about brain surgery? Exactly. I think people want to listen. No, that would be boring. We wouldn't get any clicks for that one. <laughs> Not at all. That'd be that'd be the click away bait. Yeah, yeah, right. We want to lose people's attention. No, but seriously, but how often, you know, do you go on something on LinkedIn, an article, maybe a headline, or a you go to a session at a at a conference and it's named one thing, but you get in there and you're like, wait, what? And then your credibility. The credibility that you have, believe in of that person is gone. Yeah, and, and it's so funny. I mean, frankly, clickbait in and of itself, I, I have no idea what that what that's all about. Like, what what are they trying to do? Because they, as you said, you're blowing credibility. Now, sometimes, and I, I'll confess, I've clicked on the bait, you know, because I'm really curious where they're going to go with it. Mm-hmm. Knowing, you know, it's sort of like, okay, I know there's a landmine there, but I'm going to set it off. And, uh, you know, make, make it, you know, see, see what happens here. I'm going to trip, trip this thing. Sometimes I've clicked on it because I didn't realize it was clickbait, but it's always fascinating to me how misleading it can be. And then wondering like, okay, what's the point? Because I'm not going to buy from these people. Well, it's advertisers pay per click. So the more eyeballs get on a certain page to see all those advertisers, the more money the website gets from the advertisers. That's what I understand it as. Or like monetizing a video on YouTube, the more clicks you get, the more advertisers want to go there and you can monetize. So it's all about making money. You don't have to stay on even there very long as far as I understand. And I would welcome anybody in the audience who knows better than me here um, about this. Yeah, I'm sure there's some threshold you do have to stay on there, but if you can get them across that threshold... Right. And, and, you know, the shame of it is, is so if you're that author who wrote the article or you're the ultimate advertiser who, you know, is paying for that click and somebody has driven traffic there nefariously because they've said, we're going to deliver 10 million clicks to you or whatever, whatever that promise is. Well, you're starting out in a deep hole that you may not be able to get out of with your the viewers because there's already distrust. Yeah. Yeah. And and. And that's the ultimate thing, you know, is is because we are fighting for eyeballs. These days, attention is gold and it's really hard to get. And so the temptation is to do that, to figure out different loopholes and ways to get people's attention. But in my mind, honesty is way more important over the long term of persuasion. Yeah, it's funny. We have a mutual, well, mutual friend, Leanne, who you you know very well now. <laughs> well, I mean, you have for a while, but... Even yep. even better since Killing. Her up Kilimanjaro. <laughs> yep. And you know, her her business, uh, I guess her former business now was all about email marketing 
And her email with a heart message, which I love, which I use, and I know you do as well, is not about how big your list is. It's about how engaged your list is. I'd rather have a, like a list of 300 people with 50% open rate. So, right, that's 150 mm -hmm. opens um, on, uh, then, you know, mostly it's 10% is sort of the average. So that's equivalent to a 1500 person list, if you think about it. But that's not a 1500 person list with 10% open is not as good as a 300 person list with 50% open. It's just a much more loyal crowd. And, and that's absolutely the way to be. Um, it's interesting. I just, well, and we, yeah, go ahead. I just came from a conference and uh, where I was doing a concurrent session. So there's one other session uh, simultaneous to mine. And the title of their session was How Effective Communication Can Enhance Business Operations. This is a conference of, of owners, predominantly owners mm -hmm. who are here and or senior management in larger companies. Obviously, that is a very enticing title. And mm -hmm. mine, of course, was my life or death accountability, getting your team to act as if lives depend upon them, even when only livelihoods do. Also enticing. And I don't just say that because it was mine, but I had people going like, oh, I don't, I want to go to both. How do I be in two places at once? And about halfway through, mine blew up because it blew up in a good way. All of a sudden, a lot of people from the other one came across because the title is totally inappropriate. And I don't know if the content was bad, but it wasn't what people expected based on the title. It was more based around sales and people just got turned off by that. Right, totally. And, and you know, as speakers, as coaches, as consultants, oftentimes we use sessions like that, breakout sessions, keynotes, to build our audience, to build our influence with people who we would like to eventually do business with. And I bet you money that people are going to remember his name as, and he could be the best guy in sales forever, but because there was that dishonesty, you know, they he wasted their time, or he or she, I don't know who it was, but they wasted their time. Yeah, I don't, I don't know either. Uh, I didn't meet the the other speaker, so I could give him a thank you note, maybe buy him a drink. Um, but the 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 real point here is that if they are in sales, what's that say about their sales methodology? Anyone right. who's not aligned with that, and I think that's most people. Most people want to be straightforward with their sales. No, people, I, right? Sales has a terrible reputation because of the handful. And I want to be clear, folks small percentage of salespeople who are terrible at it and do things like that that are misleading just to close the deal. It's the transactional sales versus that long-term relationship that we've talked about. Yeah. Over, and we're talking uh, about persuasion here. We're not talking about, you know, short-term transactional influence. Yeah. And and I'm looking, yeah, it, it, I won't say his name because I don't want to embarrass him, but it is a guy doing it. Um, Understanding the power of communications will enable professionals to better identify and understand their target stakeholders and customers, create stronger narratives, and strengthen to retool services or products to continue to be a viable contender in their respective marketplaces. I, reading that description, would want to understand, would think I'm going in to get a better idea of what my customers want and to create an operations around that. And maybe that's what his intention was, but apparently that wasn't the message people received. Oh, so. well, and, and so in that case, even if he, again, was the foremost expert on the topic that he was talking about, he attracted the wrong people even. So, you know, maybe perhaps the people who actually wanted what he was actually talking about were in your room because they thought 
that his talk was about something else. So even if it wasn't a ploy to grab people with the whole tough communication piece, um, he would probably have the wrong eyeballs. I was just talking to my brother. He's uh, planning to do a podcast around creative collaboration. And we've been talking about it because I we, I we have this and I have another podcast. And he, he said, I have a name and I'm ready for, you know, I, I, I want to get your opinion. And I said, sure. And he said, fabulous. So, and I, I said, what was it? Yeah. And apparently, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> wow. Talking about ineffective communication here as we're walking on. Well, and this is what I said to him. I said, well, what does that mean? And he said, well, it's the name of a person who writes fables. You would think it would be a fabulist, but apparently it's pronounced fabulous. And I think he's thinking storytelling with this creative collaboration piece. But I said, Jim, that sounds like a show, you know, for people who want to bedazzle the clothes and look fabulous or, you know, perhaps a pride show, something like that. It just sounds like a different thing than what my brother is doing. Yeah, it sounds to me like, you know, somebody who just wants to, I don't want to say be over the top, but, you know, be um, flamboyant, flamboyant. Yeah. perfect word for it. Be flamboyant. Yeah. Right. And, and my and, brother is a bearded, you know, guitar playing, boot wearing dude, you know, and that is not the direction that he's going. And not that there would be anything wrong with that show, but not only would he select, attract the wrong audience, but people that he wants to attract may not go there because they're like, well, that's not, that's not really what I'm looking for in my podcast. Yeah. And so we, we could have the best content in the world for the right audience but in, and I tell meeting planners this all the time. Like I, I don't want to be on the wrong stage any more than you want the wrong speaker on the stage. If I'm not in front of my people, they're not. My message is going to fall short, just like yeah. you, right? And and your brother, who I've seen pictures of him, you know, and he's you know got not really grunge because it looks more authentic than grunge does to me, right? Yeah. But but that sort of Rocky Mountain, you know. Type of type of look to him, you know, and, yeah. and his music is uh, is that uh, bluesy, you know, folksy roots Americana, yeah, yeah. harmonica and you know uh, what's that guitar called? The steel one with the steel guitar. No, not like a country music steel guitar. It's a oh crap! He plays it with a metal tube. It's a oh. super cool sound. Uh, yeah, I can't think of it off the top of my head either. It's a really neat looking guitar too, but he also plays the, uh, he has several guitars as most guitar people do. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, so, I mean, he, he was like, oh, wow. I hadn't even thought of that. I was thinking the fable and then, you know, call it that. He goes, yeah, that's not what I'm doing. Um, so, so he's going to go back to the drawing board, but you know, I said, the best thing you can do is tell your audience exactly what it is. What about the creative collaboration podcast, you know? Right. And and there's and you know to our listeners out there who are going, okay, what does this have to do with with us? Here here's the challenge where it comes up. Today, more than ever, with and I say today, it's been obviously for, for several decades now, as the internet became pervasive, we're able to create content and put it out there in a much easier way than we and quicker than we ever have before. Especially with chat GPT, we can now have somebody else create somebody, a bot create it for us. Yeah, let's not give them a, let's not make them a person yet. Well, it'll like, roll through our our Facebook feed now that we've talked about it. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and you're, if you're going to put content out there, you want eyeballs on it. You know, who? I, several years ago, I worked with a PR 
uh, firm. I didn't work with them, but uh, I attended um, a, a program they did, the folks who put on the uh, La Jolla Writers Conference. And you're saying, listen, if you want to build social media, I can get you 500,000 followers almost overnight. Just put up a bunch of cute cat pictures, right? Yeah. Kitten pictures. And, and and he was right. And you can do that, but is it the right audience? Right. And so to our point, if you're putting out newsletters, you're putting out blog posts, you're doing vlogs, whatever media, whatever your outreach is, it needs to be genuine. I think that's what we're talking about. Well, and and our audience with persuasion and leadership and sales wants those long-term relationships, wants that trust. And we want people to say, oh, wow, I read that article by Dave Rosenberg and it was awesome. You know, it was exactly what I needed. It was quick. It was efficient. You know, I'm going to go look for more of his content or see what else he offers. And now I'm cultivating that trust in that long-term relationship rather than just getting the click. So if, I mean, if your point's the clicks, go with it. But I think our audience has a different goal with any content that they're going to put out. Well, certainly you and I, our whole point is to create relationships and right. with our audience and for them to create relationships with their clients, with their, with their vendors, with everybody in their life. And it, our lives are so much richer when we see it from a relational perspective. Yep. Absolutely. And yeah, exactly. And they say, what was it? Bob Berg said, people do business with people they know, like, and trust. They don't like, they, the know you is the click part. The like and trust you is where the uh, where the authenticity and the long-term relationship commit. Right. They they may know you and then dislike you. Yeah, right. Right. Or And it really, it goes the other way. Right? First, they, they, they know you, then they distrust you. Right. And then they dislike you. Right? Yeah. And it's really hard to get that back. I would say, I won't say impossible, at least not on with one mistake, right? Because I think we all would like to practice grace. But when that becomes two or more, what would I say? Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and so it's important, you know, and this is one of those things where some of us are just not good at writing. I hate writing headlines. I hate finishing things. I can write a whole lot of content, but when I'm trying to catch you know, uh, write the catchy stuff. We talked a week or two ago about that uh, smart brevity book. And if I'm trying to be concise and write a headline that really grabs, you might need somebody else's help. You know, run a couple of headlines by some people and say, what do you think this is? What's funny is what I, what I, what I find myself doing, and I've done it both ways, is sometimes I'll like, oh, here's an idea. And I write a headline because something grabs me. Almost always, it's like naming a pet. Almost always after I write the article, then I, I'm like, wow, this is the wrong headline. You know, mm -hmm. it, it's my intention was to go a certain direction, but the article as I wrote it, and you hear authors say this all the time, it, it takes a life of its own and it goes a different direction. Yeah. More times than not now, even if I put a working headline up, I erase, once the article, like after the first paragraph and a half, two paragraphs, I'll erase it because I don't want that there. Yeah. I would finish the article and then I go back and go, all right, what did I just write about? Yeah. And people try to get really sexy and, and come up with a snappy title that's really jazzy. And every once in a while, it's like, just keep it simple. Say what it is. People don't have time these days to weed through stuff that isn't doesn't tell them what it is. They're not going to they're not going to bother. Right. There are a couple tricks that I've learned over the years to help jazzy up titles, again, within the parameters Things like alliterative titles, 
mm-hmm. you know, right? So you know, people love the brain works well in threes. Threes creates a pattern. And when you could create an alliterative descriptive with, you know, the, the same letter for the three descriptive words of the title or two descriptive words, and then the, uh, the subject itself is the same letter, that really helps. Rhyming helps. Those are really sexy ways to create titles that catch people's ears, eyes, whatever. I, you I always, and, and this, this counts for um, subject lines of marketing emails too. Um, I like when somebody will play on a, um, on a song title, you know, that we all know. And so, you know, the power of, I don't know, the power of glove, you know, I don't right. know. I just thought of that one. If you sell gloves, but, but being catchy with that and, and still being descriptive of what you have. A- a- absolutely. So you can do it. And I guess my, my advice, my life, my, my lesson learned is to hold off on the title till you finish the article. Right. Or right. whatever it is. Right. And, and on these concepts really apply to proposals too. We all write a lot of proposals, especially if we're in sales and making sure that copy is also. And you can actually extend this to meetings. So how many times do you call a meeting? You say the meeting is going to be about this, you know, and then the meeting is about everything but that, right? And, and you're facing the same problem now where your team's going, what am I doing here? Yeah. You know, I can't. Come. Yeah, I came prepared to discuss, um, you know, streamlining operations, and we ended up talking about sales. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, wasn't wasn't ready for that. You're setting me up for failure. Right. Yeah, definitely making sure that we're finding that on, you know, and and it's often not malicious. You know, it made me a mistake. It might we thought, oh, it made perfect sense. Um, but making sure if we're seeing a pattern and doing that over and over that we're paying so, attention. So I think I'm going to call this particular podcast. Don't listen to this. It's clickbait. <laughs> that I think would be more popular than brain surgery. <laughs> well, that's not a very high bar, is it? Well, you know, but it is an improvement. So there's something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do we have anything else to share or should we morph this into a totally different topic altogether? I think that's a big one. I mean, I think deliver on your promise, whether it's in your headline, your subject line, your meeting, your conference session. Or just your conversations. Or just your conversations. I think this is a theme with us. What? Deliver what you promise. We do a pretty good job. Right. But what I mean, what I'm saying is if you distill every single podcast we've ever said down to one concept. Deliver what you promise. Well, I think role model and trust are the two big themes that come up. Deliver what you promise would definitely go. Yeah, that totally would go with both of those. If he didn't have such a big Yeti mic, he would have dropped it. These things make a big clump. I did it once to be dramatic and it was obnoxious. (laughs) Who's surprised there? Yeah. And you almost broke your foot. So true. These things are heavy. Yes. Yes, they are. All right. Well, I think we pretty much wrapped this one up. So let's deliver what we promised, which is conciseness in a long-winded way. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. (laughs) See you next week. That concludes another episode of Disarming Persuasion. This is Dave Rosenberg. And you can find my website at LockedOnLeadership.com.
And this is Anne Bonnie at yourchangespeaker.com. Remember, if they fail to make a decision, you failed to disarm them. <laughs> <laughs>